What's up, everybody? I hope you're having a fantastic start to your Wednesday morning. This is Around the Bases Podcast. This is your host, Tyler, a.k.a. T-Greg, a.k.a. T-G, a.k.a. Ty. So, we have a lot of college softball and just softball content to get in general, so let's just dive right in and see where we end, see where we end up. All right, so... First off, Missouri came out of the gates like a bat out of hell, if we're being quite honest. Going 5-0 and down in Clearwater for the uh, NFCA leadoff classic. Um, my, my question is, will Missouri continue to look like a team that would get a national seed despite its postseason ban? I mean, basically, Missouri's come out and played just for the love of softball, basically, because they know they're not going to be in the postseason. So Missouri's been freed up now of pressure or responsibilities. They can just go out, play the game they love, and, you know, they, they don't have any pressure of any rankings. They don't have to worry about rankings or, you know, um, being in the SEC, pressure to win those games. Um, they're not feeling any of that. Uh, so some of these will be in my recap, um, or some of these games will be in my recap, but they beat Notre Dame, they crushed Baylor, um, they beat Minnesota 7-4 to four in 8 innings, um, Amber Pfizer didn't pitch until the end of the game, so she took the L for that game, which was a story we can talk about later, but... Um, then they beat Louisville, and now they're a perfect five. I mean, they also beat South Alabama. No offense to them. Um, but Missouri's a perfect five and zero going down to the or staying down in Florida for the St. Pete Elite. Excuse me, the St. Pete Clearwater Elite Invitational this weekend. Um, so they'll be looking to do some more damage at that tournament um, coming up. Start well, technically, I guess it starts tonight, but mainly starts tomorrow um but we'll get into that later um but missouri's got uh, clearly that missouri has the talent to be to look like a team that could get a national seed if they weren't banned from the postseason missouri has looked really good and now they're in pretty much every top 25 rankings that i've seen as of yesterday um so Missouri looking really strong to start this season with that postseason ban hanging over their head. They clearly did not, they clearly let it or didn't let it affect them in the way that some other teams might. Um, They're clearly handling it in the best way, knowing they can go out and play their game and do play it with the love that they have for the game. So, kudos to you down there at Missouri. Um, Coach Larissa, you're doing a great job down there with them right now. Um, keep up the great work, and we'll hope to see you back in the postseason next year with a strong team as well moving forward. Um, next, is Florida set for a down year? Um, I know it's only the opening, or it was the only the opening week of the season, um, but Florida just didn't look like the same Florida team of old through the games, some of the games that they played yesterday. Um, Fresno State kept them close. Um, you know, I'll I'll have more a little bit more on Fresno State later, but you know, Fresno State 
kept them close. And then Michigan just demolished them, uh, absolutely crushed them. Um, and it looks like the pitching is going to need to step up their game after the loss of Kelly Barnhill. Now, I will mention that as part of the USA stand, uh, Softball Stand Beside Her tour last night, uh, I watched Team USA take on Florida at Florida um, on the SEC Network Plus. Um, and Florida, you know, despite being no hit for the longest time, um, they actually could have nearly walked off on USA Softball, and that would have been quite a scene to me. Um, so maybe they're starting to turn the tide. Uh, they know they're going to have to pitch with the staff more so this year than just, you know, Kelly Barnhill soaking up the majority of the innings. Um, they have five pitchers last night. Arguably the best one is their uh, freshman. Uh, let's uh, We'll talk about her later. Um, but Riley Trilicek, um, she's looking like possibly the best arm that they have out there. Um, but we'll see about that moving forward. Um, but I think the loss of Kelly Barnhill in the circle is affecting the team. In the, the They're going to have some growing pains in the circle this year because not everyone has that experience of pitching to big games or you know pitching against SEC competition and all of that. Um, so Florida might be set for a down year in the circle. Their lineup should still be fine for the most part, um, despite what Alex Storacco of Michigan did to them this past weekend. Um, they might just need a little more time to gel and figure out the right pieces. Um, I'm sure Coach Tim Walton will do a great job down there getting them right back towards the top of the SEC where they belong. Um, but, you know, right now Florida's struggling a little bit. Um, we'll see if they can correct themselves this weekend. Uh, but, you know, we'll just have to wait and see how that plays out moving forward. Next um, is Alabama. Not as good as we think, or is it just early in the season and should we reserve judgment? Honestly, it's too early to say they aren't as good as we think they are. I mean, Florida State is a really good team. Um, and UNC, you know, they're going to be pushing some of the top teams of the country to the edge. So I think we should wait to judge this team so far. I mean, literally, Alabama played Florida State and UNC four times together this weekend. Two uh, two games apiece. Um, so they got some absolutely tough competition on opening weekend down in Tallahassee. Um, and this Alabama team is loaded. So they're going to come back. They're going to be at uh, St. Pete Clearwater Elite Invitational this weekend. Um, and they're going to absolutely... I think they're set for a big weekend. Um, they'll get, uh, oh God, what was their schedule? Uh, they start with Liberty. They get Washington on Thursday. That'll be a massive matchup. Um, I think they get UCLA, um, South Florida, and Oklahoma State are the five I think they take on down there, if I'm not, I remember correctly. Um, let me just see if I have it here in my notes. Uh, Liberty, Alabama, Alabama, Washington, UCLA, Alabama, yeah. Um, 
and Alabama. Yeah, South Florida and Oklahoma State were the other two. Um, so we'll see if they can step it up this weekend. I'm sure they will. Coach Patrick Murphy, you know, he's been with Alabama for a long time now, so he should be able to get them to going, and they should be perfectly fine moving forward. They just needed to grow into the season, much like most of the country is doing. So. Alabama absolutely will still be at the top of the SEC. Um, <clears throat> so don't judge them too harshly yet. Um, wait a little bit before we see if this see what this team is made of. Um, so I haven't heard anything about Ashley Rogers, the pitcher being hurt over at Tennessee, but she hasn't been in the circle for them. Um, so is that loss in the circle hurting them? I would say without question it's hurting them. Uh, granted, they did pick up a nice win over Northwestern, but Arizona straight demolished them, 8 nothing. Um, they just have unproven pitchers in the circle right now pitching for them, which is you know basically the same thing that's going on down at Florida, almost. Um, I mean, you know, in losing your best pitcher, it's going to hurt for w- several reasons, but... Um, Callie Turner looking like the best option at this point, uh, but time will tell if she steps up as the ace of this staff that they have. Uh, maybe not an ace per se to ace's definition, um, but you know, step up to be the number one. Um, the narrative did change a little bit, however, with their performance um, at Arizona State between the last two nights since their game got rained out or their game got post or. Um, shall we? St- it got stopped in the fourth inning because of rain. So then they finished the game last night. Um, but they ended up beating Arizona State eight to four thanks to Callie Turner's performance in the circle. Um, and we'll like we'll get to talk about that later. Again, another talking point later when I recap the opening week. Um, but Tennessee's going to have to figure it out in the circle just the same as Florida does. Tennessee doesn't have as many pitchers as Florida does in this that they can just throw in the circle. But, you know, Tennessee's going to figure it out. And, you know, they may not be at the top of the top of the SEC. But um, we'll see if they can right the sh- I don't want to say right the ship because, really, Arizona's the only loss that they suffered. So... Um, they did. They they have Northwestern and Arizona State as wins on their resume, so I can't really deny. I can't really look away from that. That's just what it is. Um, but anyway, more SEC talk. Yeah, I know I sound like a broken record here about the SEC, but um, I know Texas A&M was picked at the bottom of the SEC. But what happened against UT Arlington this weekend to cause them to lose twice? Um, this doesn't. This isn't a thing that you normally see to the SEC, even if they are a bottom of the conference team. Um, the SEC usually finds a way to win against teams they should beat on paper, and maybe UTA is better than I'm giving credit for. But I'm just calling it like I see it right now. Um, I mean, Abilene Christian nearly beat Texas A&M on Sunday as well. So um, I don't know. I can't give you. I can't tell you what all is going on with Texas A&M right now. Um, I these this is just games the SEC should win on paper. But you know, it's like they. It's the old adage of softball. Anyone can beat anyone on any day. 
any given day. Um, but, you know, sometimes we just have loftier expectations for certain teams. Maybe Texas A&M being a part of the SEC is why we expect them to win games like that. But, you know, I will just have to see how it plays out moving forward. I just couldn't believe they lost to UT Arlington twice. That It just blew my mind. I just didn't expect it, you know, because they're an SEC team. They should win those games. But that having been said, I will... I'll, I'll again opening week. I'll back off on them a little bit. Um, I won't just outright hammer them. Um, I'll let I'll, I'll let it slide a little bit. If it continues, I'm gonna uh, I'll absolutely have to say something, but or say something more. Um, but anyway, um, what's going on with Minnesota and Amber Pfizer? Uh, Pfizer has the strikeouts that you would want to see. But otherwise, she just doesn't look like the dominant pitcher that we know her to be. Um, and it seems to be affecting the whole team. NC State in Minnesota was a high-scoring affair. Um, South Alabama kept it close for the longest time. Kentucky completely shut them down 7 to nothing, And they, got, they scored early and often off of Pfizer, so... Um, it was absolutely incredible to see. Um, you just don't expect to see that from Amber Pfizer. Like, a, you know, that's just not something. I mean, and not to mention that Missouri even took it down Minnesota. Like, Minnesota's taking a lot of early L's that I didn't expect. Amber Pfizer, she's given up runs more than I expected her to early here in the season. Um,. But, you know, they took two L's to Kentucky and Missouri, which, you know, SEC powers. But, I mean, it's just, in it's I, I don't know what's going on. I hope Amber Pfizer can fit, correct herself. She's one of the, when she's on her game, she's one of the best pitchers in the country. Um, But she hasn't looked like it through the first week of the season. So, um, we'll just, I guess we'll just have to wait and see how it all plays out moving forward, I guess. Um, I mean, that's the only thing you can do, really, at this point. Um, but anyway, <clears throat> let's another SEC team. Let's talk about what happened to Ole Miss. Was Ole Miss overrated in the nation and the SEC? They were ranked in the top 25, and after opening weekend, it's hard to argue that they were overrated. They went 0-5 and lost to Louisville, Illinois, NC State, Notre Dame, and Liberty. And we'll talk more about that Liberty game later. But they, those, they're, for an SEC team, those should have probably been at least a 3-2 record out of that seat weekend. <clears throat> so maybe losing coach Mike Smith has a little bit more of an impact. Um you would think a team of Ole Miss's quality would be able to at least get one win out of that weekend. That's incredible, honestly. Um, but like I said, maybe losing coach head coach Mike Smith is having a negative impact on the team. Um, but we will see if they can right the ship in Mexico at the Puerto Vallarta Car- College Challenge this weekend. Um, we'll see if they can... Because they got Colorado State, Utah, Texas, and Cal Baptist, if I'm not mistaken. And they play a game against the Mexican national team, if I remember their schedule correctly. <clears throat> but 
I'm just seeing it. Um, all right, let's talk to let's stop talking about teams necessarily. Let's talk more about players. All right, so do we? I think we have an early front runner for player of the year. Um, Miranda Ellish over at Texas. Let's just talk about the weekend that she had again in Texas for Texas. 818, 818 batting average, four home runs, 17 RBIs. She went 2 and 0 in the circle with 18 strikeouts and 10 innings pitched, a 1.4 ERA, and a 2.182 slugging percentage. Her slugging percentage is over two. Or it's over 2,000. Excuse me. Um, it's absolute. She put up absolute video game numbers this past weekend for Texas. And if Miranda Ellis keeps that up, she is guaranteed to be player of the year this year. I mean, you can come at me on that, but if she puts those numbers up or some type of variation of those numbers up every week, you forget it. Player of the year is Miranda Ellis's. Not even going to be close. Sorry, nah, I'm not. I'm not even going to be sorry about that. That was. That's absolutely amazing what she's did at Texas this weekend. Um, now obviously I don't expect her average to stay at eight eighteen. Um, seventeen RBIs in one weekend or six games like Texas's offense was legit murdering everyone this past weekend. Um, but. That's absolutely early front runner for player of the year, and I don't think anyone can debate that. If you tried to debate that, I mean, I'll just throw these stats right back at you. Absolutely incredible weekend from Miranda Ellish. Um, and another award, the early front runner for freshman of the year, um, in my opinion, has to go to Maya Brady at UCLA. Um, she had in. in uh, six games, she had nine hits, which, granted, doesn't seem like a lot, but she had four. Four of those nine hits were home runs. She drove in nine RBIs, has a 500 batting average, and has a 550 on base percentage. She scored and drove in a run in five of their six games this weekend, and she stole two bases. So everything that we heard about this talented freshman at UCLA, Maya Brady, who played both center field and second base, I might add, this past weekend, everything that we've heard about this freshman it seems to be true right now, and she might be set to have a massive season um, as a freshman. Um, so I'm glad to see, you know, the team in UCLA, they're perfect. They went perfect through the weekend. Uh, they didn't face the toughest of competition, but, you know, still, absolutely impressive stuff from Maya Brady, and we'll have to wait and see how the, if she can continue to put up numbers like those. Because if she does, freshman of the year. No doubt in my mind. Um, I mean, I'm uh, Miranda between Miranda Ellis and Maya Brady, that's... If we were <clears throat> if we were giving out awards based on one week, those two, boom, player of the year, freshman of the year, done. Pitcher of the year, I you could toss up many names for that right now, but 
that's the conver that conversation will develop as we get m further down the road. <clears throat> but that <clears throat> absolutely amazing performance from them them two this week, and we'll see if they can keep it up moving forward. All right, so let's recap opening week. We got a lot here, so stick with me. Thursday on opening night, Thursday night. Central Arkansas fought very hard at number 11 LSU in a 3-2 loss. <clears throat> and Central Arkansas actually out-hit LSU 6-3. This Central Arkansas team was picked to finish 7th in the Southland. And they went to LSU on opening night and gave them an absolute dogfight. <clears throat> So kudos to Central Arkansas. Um, I know you didn't come out with the win, but absolute, you absolutely impressed me with what I saw on Thursday night. Um, I, you know, if you play like that the rest of the season, you may very well stay or be higher. You will very much be better than seventh in the Southland. Just saying. But that's the only real bit of news I have from Thursday night's games last week. Moving on to Friday. We got a lot here. Stick with me. Liberty kept Kentucky close but lost 6-2 in the end. Baylor crushes Auburn 8-0 in five innings and, and then takes down Louisville 7-4, who Louisville went on to take down Ole Miss 4-2. That's just the tip of the iceberg. Duke absolutely crushes Clemson 11 to nothing in 5 innings, but Clemson did manage to pick up their first ever program win against St. John's 6 to 2 on Friday. So, congrats to Clemson on your first win as a program. We'll have more on them later. Missouri took down Notre Dame in 3 to 1 in the first game since their postseason ban, so that's where their 5-0 start to the season started. It started against Notre Dame. LSU outlasted Oklahoma State 1-0 thanks to a, scoring a run in the bottom of the 6th. So, and LSU was at home. So, <clears throat> Florida State outlasted UNC in extras 2-1. And then managed to, you know, outlast Alabama 8-7 in extras. So that was an uh, that was an outstanding game, um, first and foremost. Um, the way Florida State uh, they won't they're not ranked eighth in the nation anymore. I know they're top five in pretty much every polls that I've seen. Um, but they they um, dominate or well they didn't dominate. They had to come back against Alabama. They tied it up off of Montana Fouts, if I'm not mistaken. And then managed to get it to extras where they beat Alabama and walked it off on them. The number one team in the nation at the time of last week. Um, so that was a huge victory for Florida State in and of itself. Um, Stephen F. Austin threw the no first no-hitter of the season. Um, 19 strikeout... Sh sh yes, 19 strikeout shutout from Ashley Chrisell. 
Um, so there was the first no-hitter of the season on Friday. And then last, the last thing I have for Friday is a very talented uh, pitcher, Mariah Mazone. She pitched a no-hitter for Oregon State against UNLV in a one to nothing win. So that was very strong performance from her. Um, if you want to know more about Mariah and what's everything about her, you can go look at an article on Softball America. Um, they did a very nice article about her, um, how she's ready to step into the spotlight for Oregon State. And, I mean, that's the very good introduction to the spotlight by pitching a no-hitter on Friday. Um, <clears throat> but that's all of Friday's action. Moving on to Saturday... Liberty blew a 3-0 lead against Auburn thanks to Justice Perry's inside-the-park home run. Um, and Liberty was having a tough weekend thus far. They lose an early lead to Mississippi State, then get blown out 9-2. Um, they were 0-4 at the NFCA leadoff classic to, to through Saturday's action at that point. So... Liberty was keeping teams close for the longest time or had a lead, and then they just blew it. That's the, That was the main story of Liberty's weekend down in Clearwater. Um, again, more on Liberty to come later. Uh, Missouri crushed Baylor 9-1. Then they took down Minnesota 7-4 at 8 innings, like I mentioned earlier. Um, and, and also, like I said, Pfizer took that L against Missouri. Because Minnesota managed to come back and tie the game in the seventh inning, four to four, so they put Pfizer in to try to shut it down, but you know Pfizer ended up taking that loss, which is incredible, in my opinion. But you know, <clears throat> sometimes I mean sometimes I mean Minnesota is facing the pressure of being a really good team right now, so they're going to have to deal with this. Missouri's playing free, knowing they don't have really any pressure at all. So, you know, that's where that is. <clears throat> Kentucky walked off in extras against NC State, thanks to a grand slam from Autumn Humes. Um, you wouldn't have necessarily thought that Kentucky was going to go to extras with NC State, but, you know... Kentucky managed to, you know, they still got the win, regardless of the fact of how the game looked. Um, I didn't expect NC State to take Kentucky to extra innings, but, you know, again, every game is a different opportunity to do something special. So, <clears throat> I mentioned Fresno State pushing Florida to the final out, but they lost 6-4. to four. I think, Fre if I'm not mistaken, if I remember correctly... Fresno State had the bases loaded, too, and they very easily could have walked off against Florida, but they just couldn't get it to get the job done in the end. So, I think Florida, Fresno State is very well might be better than I think. They are better than I'm giving them credit for. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about them later. Um... Oklahoma State, uh, well, excuse me, Oklahoma State's Kelly Maxwell threw a perfect game in a 21 to nothing thrashing of Florida A&M. 
it was her debut appearance in the circle for Oklahoma State, and she goes out and throws a, per- a five-inning perfect game against Florida A&M. So, <clears throat> kudos to you on that, Kelly. Um, you will always have that memory for Oklahoma State. Um, <clears throat> Oregon escaped escaped Nevada one to nothing, despite only having two hits. Uh, Nevada had five errors in the game, which I'm sure helped the cause there. So, <clears throat> Oregon managed to su- su- survive a little bit of a wouldn't necessarily be a head scratching loss, but it would be one that be like it would would be a loss that would make you think, hmm, that's interesting. Um, so Oregon managed to escape that. <coughs> Excuse me. I mentioned this one also a little bit earlier. Michigan run ruled Florida eleven to two in six innings. Uh, again, another result I didn't expect to see. I may have I thought Michigan could absolutely beat Florida. I didn't know they would beat down on Florida like that. Um, like I, I mean, I've had firsthand experience seeing that Michigan team, and they're returning their two best pitchers in Bobian and Storaco and a big portion of their lineup is still intact too. So Michigan's going to be a team to reckon with in that Big Ten um, as well as in the national landscape as well. Um, you you may not have heard it here first, but I did mention it, so we'll just want to put that out there. Um, North Texas upset Louisiana 2-1 at Louisiana. Um, Megan Kleist took that L. A little bit of a stunning... That was certainly a stunning result at the time. I didn't... I mean, you know, Louisiana's quite arguably the best mid-major in the country. And they got upset at home by North Texas... It was, a, it was definitely a head-scratching loss for Louisiana. <clears throat> but I will talk more about Louisiana in a minute because, you know, they rebounded quite nicely, as you will hear later in this podcast. Um, <clears throat> so they did rebound nicely from that. I also mentioned it earlier. Uh, UT Arlington took down Texas A&M twice in the weekend. Um Again, another head-scratching loss. Texas A&M with uh, Mackenzie Herzog, Kayla Pointer. Um, You know, they have have more talent to be able to beat UT Arlington, but they just couldn't do it. They lost twice to the same team in the same weekend. Again, I'm not going to hammer them too hard just yet. Um, We'll let the season play out, like I said. Can't judge anything just from opening weekend at this point or opening week at this point. Um, let's see. UAB hung tough with uh, Washington, but eventually fell eight to seven. So number two team in the country got a nice test. Um, they were playing in Georgia or at Georgia Tech, and you, the University of Alabama Birmingham gave them a good test. <clears throat> Ultimately, Washington prevailed. Um, this might be a, th- a thing to watch this year. If Gabby Plain isn't th- 
throwing every inning, it might be interesting to see how Washington does. Because they, I don't know if they have another arm behind Gabby Plain to be able to um, be the bet one of the best teams in the country. They have one of the best lineups. I'll give you that. And Gabby Plain is one of the best pitchers. But behind Gabby Plain, I don't know if anything's there. But like, I mean, it's proven that in the postseason, you don't necessarily need more than one pitcher. Look at UCLA. They rode uh, Rachel Garcia to the national championship last year. They didn't really use it, really use anyone else, really. Um, they used Megan Faramo uh, a little bit. I know against JMU, but really they didn't use anyone else besides Rachel Garcia. She just got more and more innings and more and more pitches as the postseason went on. So... Like I said, not necessarily the biggest thing. Then, you know, Florida State run-ruled Alabama on Saturday in five innings, eight to nothing. Didn't see that one coming. Sarah Cornell got touched up. Um, Former Hofstra pitcher, but she got touched up. And then they blew a lead to UNC three times. One specifically in the seventh and lost eight to seven. So Alabama was has a one in three start to their season, and it's just something you didn't expect to see from Alabama, certainly. Um, but you know, like I said, like I said earlier, I'll reserve judgment on them. I still think they're going to be one of the top teams in the country. I still think they'll be at the Women's College World Series in Oklahoma City, but. Alabama just had some head-scratching losses this weekend, or this past weekend. That's all I'm saying. Um, Georgia Tech even hung with Washington, but they fell 2 to nothing. Um, Georgia Tech almost got no hit in that game, I should add. Um, Gabby Plain very nearly had a no-hitter against Washington. Wait a minute. No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. Excuse me, that's wrong. Um, Georgia Tech lost to Washington 2-1. to one. They did manage to score a run. Excuse me. <clears throat> but in either way, they still lost. Um, Western Michigan took down Arizona State 9-7. to seven. That was a little bit of a head-scratching loss. But then Arizona State uh, took down Northwestern on a walk-off from Kendra Hackbarth um, and won 6-5. Northwestern did not start Danielle Williams, their star pitcher, but it's a big win for Arizona State, for sure. Um, The Western Michigan loss was a little bit of a head-scratcher. I thought maybe losing Jade Gortrez was going to have a big impact on them. Aside from that Western... Aside from that Western Michigan game... um, you didn't really, it really didn't impact them that much, or maybe in Arizona, or well, no, they, excuse me, I'm getting my games mixed up. They didn't play Arizona, obviously, because they're Pac 12. They don't play later in the season. But anyway, um, I think Arizona State will be just fine at this point. Um, they've got, like I said, they've got wins against Northwestern now. They could have had a big win against Tennessee, but. We'll see if that affects them moving forward. Um, 
East Carolina pushed Virginia Tech to the edge, but they fell 4-2 as well. <clears throat> BYU hung with Oklahoma. They were getting no hit for the longest time, but they ultimately fell 3-1. to one. Um, So Oklahoma was getting, a little pre- was getting a little pressure down there in the Puerto Vallarta. <clears throat> and then we move on to Sunday. Baylor got upset by Missouri State three to nothing, which leads me to believe that Baylor's going to have a down year. Um, <clears throat> Baylor just didn't look that great in Clearwater for the NFCA leadoff classic. It's just they just didn't look right. Um, Iowa walks off on Virginia Tech thanks to a throwing error in the eighth inning, four to three. So <clears throat> that was a big win for Iowa. Um, good for I mean, Virginia Tech's basically ranked or receiving votes in every poll, so that is a, absolutely a huge win for Iowa in the Big Ten. Missouri downed Louisville five to one, so there you go to that one. <clears throat> um, Clemson was down nine to seven to St. John's in the top of the seventh. Comeback. And they came back to win 19-9. So they scored 12 runs in the top of the 7th to win that game. Um, so they Clemson finished off the weekend 2-3 and three with two wins over St. John's. They held Indiana close, but Duke and... Uh, oh, God. <clears throat> I don't remember the other team, but the Clemson, they could have easily been 3-2. and two. Um, so, oh, it was UCF. Clemson, Clemson didn't hang tough with uh, Duke or UCF, but they did hang tough with Indiana, so they could have very easily been 3-2 and two after opening weekend. So, kudos to Clemson for getting their first two wins in program history. Um, again, we'll have more on them just in, in a little bit. Just give me, a, give me some time to get there. <clears throat> um... Liberty took down Ole Miss 4-2 in the battle of teams looking for their first win for the, of the season. Mentioned a little bit about Ole Miss already. Um, Liberty has an absolutely tough schedule, and it's not going to get any easier for Liberty going to the St. Pete Elite... Ah, St. Pete Clearwater Elite Invitational this weekend. It's not going to get any easier for them at all. Um... So it was good for Liberty to get this win against a, at the time, ranked Ole Miss team. <clears throat> Despite the fact that Ole Miss might be a lot worse than we thought. Kentucky blanked Minnesota 7 to nothing with, fi- <clears throat> with Amber Pfizer in the circle. Again, another stunning result I didn't see coming. I thought Minnesota could handle Kentucky... Um, but ended up being wrong on that count. Michigan walked off against Fresno State one to nothing, and this is where I point out that Fresno State must be better than I thought because they pushed Florida to the edge too, and very nearly could have walked off on Florida. So Fresno State must be a better team than I'm giving credit for out in the West Coast Conference. Um, <clears throat> no, ooh. No, Fresno State's Mountain West. Oh, God. 
they're in one of those <clears throat> one of those Western conferences. <clears throat> um, LSU throws a combined no hitter against Florida A and M, sixteen to nothing in five innings. Congratulations to LSU for throwing a no hitter the day after Oklahoma State threw a perfect game against them. So, <laughs> yay yay. Um, Riley, I mentioned the uh, Florida pitching earlier. Riley Trilicek, I mentioned her name. She threw a no hitter for Florida in a ten to nothing five inning win over Georgia State. And I know it's Georgia State, but this is one reason why I see that she's potentially the best pitcher on the Florida staff. And I know she's just a freshman, but she's they might have to ride her like they did. Uh, not nearly to the extent that they rode Kelly Barnhill at Florida, but they might need to ride her a little bit in order to take off and be an upper-tier team in that SEC and, and in the nation as well. Um, but we'll see how that goes moving forward. UNCG, they pushed South Carolina to extras, but South Carolina survived with a walk-off in the ninth inning, so... South Carolina remains perfect through through, through their weekend. Um, they opened at home in their tournament at home. Arizona State's Cielo Mesa throws a seven to nothing no hitter against Seattle, so that was impressive. Congrats to Cielo Mesa for that. Um, and then the last thing I have for Sunday from Sunday was Arizona crushing Tennessee eight to nothing again. Arizona's a really good team. I mean, the top of the Pac-12 is stacked. And clearly Tennessee wasn't good enough to hang with Arizona. As Arizona just ripped right through them. So, congrats to Arizona for that win. And then lastly, from last night, um, I mentioned Louisiana earlier losing to North Texas. Louisiana's Summer Ellison threw a perfect game, an 11 strikeout perfect game against Lamar in a six inning, eight to nothing win last night. Um, so that was, I'm impressed by that, um, or not in by the team, I'm impressed by Summer Ellison throwing a perfect game. So congrats to her for throwing that perfect game last night. Um, glad I was be able to at least follow along with it even if I couldn't wa- or didn't watch it on through video um, I mentioned uh, Florida playing USA softball last night they nearly came back to beat USA softball after being no hit for the longest time they eventually lost five to three they had bases loaded at the end of the game so Florida very easily could have walked that off on USA softball for that stand beside her tour um, you know it's one of those things. Um, it doesn't count towards their record, but it's a very I think that's a very nice confident booster for Florida. Um, they were getting hits or ma- they were making contact with Rachel Garcia and Kaylani Ricketts better than I mean Monica Abbott absolutely destroyed them. <laughs> I mean she had I think it was 11 strikeouts. It's 11 of the first 12 outs were strikeouts, if I'm not mistaken, or something along those lines. Um, 
and Monica Abbott was just dominating them, and they brought Rachel Garcia in, and Florida started to get some hits, some contact going, and uh, you know, one thing led to another, and then they brought in Monica Abbott to shut down that last out, or last might have been last two outs, but either way. And then lastly, after starting the game on Monday and then having to finish last night, Tennessee took down Arizona eight to five. Which is a big win for Tennessee. Um, even though it's not Arizona, UCLA, or Washington, that is a big win for Tennessee um, to start to get some momentum. It was four to nothing when they got pushed to last night, and then Arizona State made it four to three. Then Tennessee made it eight to three, and then Arizona State tried to make one final push, and it was eight to five to finish. So, big win for Tennessee. Good for them moving forward. And that's the recap of the opening week. <clears throat> now, let's move on to highlight games I or games I've highlighted here for week two. Today, um, Clemson has their first ever home games. And they will be... And it will be Western Carolina at Clemson for a doubleheader uh, this afternoon and evening. Um, those will be the first home games for Clemson in program history. Those will be aired on ACC Network. So <clears throat> definitely want to tune in to see how see what it, the atmosphere looks like at Clemson with softball having their first ever games at home. So that should be exciting. Um Seattle plays two games at Stanford, so we'll see if um, the WAC, the Western Athletic Conference champions, push Stanford to the edge. Kentucky plays Arizona State twice. That's the that should be a fun matchup in and of itself. Grand Canyon goes against Baylor. Honestly, I'm thinking Grand Canyon could beat Baylor right now, but we'll. We'll wait and see if that how that one plays out there. Um, both Oregon and Oregon State play a doubleheader or play two games at Houston this weekend. So I want to see. Mainly, I want to see Oregon at Houston because I want to see what Oregon's potential is for this year. Louisiana has a massive two games this weekend. Louisiana hosts LSU, and then they travel to Baton Rouge to take on or play at LSU. So those two will play two games against each other, one at home and one on the road. So that should be fun. That's going to be an absolute fun two games to watch. Um, UNC hosts Michigan and Wisconsin twice in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Should be a... A good, especially Michigan, UNC Michigan should be a fun matchup. Maybe get to see Bobian and Starocco against Brittany Pickett. So that would that would be two very fun pitching matchups. <clears throat> An absolutely gigantic opening game or open or early season game: Oklahoma and Arizona. That's huge. That's a massive matchup here early season. Um. North Dakota State and Longwood are both playing two games at Florida this weekend. So I want to see if North Dakota State can give Florida a fight. 
Also, I want to see if Longwood can rebound from their poor performance against Elon on Sunday. Um, I'm not even going to get started on that because y'all don't want to hear about smaller schools as much like that. So, we're going to move on. Drake plays Hofstra three times. I want to see if Hofstra can push the Missouri Valley Conference preseason champions. Hofstra plays at Stanford twice. Like, I just want to see what Hofstra can possibly do. I don't think they're back or going to be back this year, but I think they're starting to make the transition. They'll they'll bring... Hofstra has a rich tradition of softball, so they'll start bringing in those recruits that are willing or that are going to be able to elevate the program back to um, national prominence. And lastly... Drake at Stanford twice this weekend. <clears throat> I want to see if Drake can get a couple wins. <coughs> Alright. Now let's talk about the big tournament. St. Pete Clearwater Elite Invitational. Tomorrow, Liberty, Alabama. Virginia Tech, Oklahoma State. And Alabama-Washington. Big games. Big, big, big games. On Friday, South Carolina-Virginia Tech. Minnesota-Oklahoma State. Washington-Florida State. Northwestern Georgia. UCLA-Alabama. Minnesota-Florida State. Washington and Liberty. And JMU-Texas Tech. Absolutely stacked lineup. On Friday. And now Saturday. Texas Tech, Georgia. Alabama, Oklahoma State. UCLA, Liberty. Florida State, Northwestern. UCLA, Georgia. Virginia Tech, Minnesota. Washington, South Carolina. JMU, Missouri. I mean, another great day. <clears throat> and then lastly on Sunday. Um, you got Texas Tech, Washington. Florida State Liberty, Northwestern Virginia Tech, JMU South Carolina, and Florida State versus UCLA to finish the tournament. Realistically, every game of the St. Pete Clearwater Elite Invitational is a highlight game or a must-watch game. But, you know, those are just some of the ones that I highlighted, you know, should be top-of-the-line matchups. Um, something you should definitely look forward to. Something, this tournament should be absolutely one that you watch as many games as you can. Keep your eyes glued to your TVs, your streaming apps, whatever you got to do to watch those games. It's one of the best tournaments that we have. It might be starting to overtake the Mary Nutter or the NFCA leadoff classic. Like this, this St. Pete Clearwater Elite Invitational Tournament absolutely might be the top tournament now that we have just because of the exposure the TV coverage the streaming coverage the teams playing in the tournament for one um, absolutely beautiful stuff <clears throat> and the last two games I have highlighted down in Mexico for the Puerto Vallarta College Challenge Tennessee and Texas I want to see if Tennessee can hang in with Texas 
And I want to see if Ole Miss can right the ship against Texas. Uh, honestly, Texas might murder Ole Miss. I There's no telling how that could go down right now, honestly, if I'm being quite honest with you. But <clears throat> we'll save that for next week's talk. I'm sure that'll be on my recap of the week. But, alright. All this college talk will wrap up with one last thing. Uh, the USA Softball Stand Beside Her Tour. Um, they're down in uh, Clearwater right now for, uh, for the St. Pete Clearwater Elite Invitational. Um, so, tonight at 6 o'clock, they'll take on Liberty. Um, should I would assume it should be an easy win for USA, but I won't, you know, you never know. Um, and then on Sunday at 10 a.m., USA, Oklahoma State, that'll be on ESPN3. <coughs> Also Sunday at 12.30, USA will take on Washington on ESPN3. So that one should be a fun one. Side note, Gabby Plain was also uh, selected as a finalist for the Australian Olympic team. So we'll see if she, I mean, she's going to, looks like she's going to play the season and then go to the Olympics with Australia in the summer. I mean, if she is selected, of course. But, again... Topic for in the summer, for the Summer Olympics. Um, and then lastly, USA at Arizona on two, next Tuesday at 9 o'clock. Should be a fun one. Deja Mulipola of the USA's team gets to go back to Arizona, um, where she'll still have at least a year, well, she'll still have a year of eligibility once she gets back next season. Um, so that should be a fun one to watch. Um, basically, you know, keep your, uh, keep your eyes glued to that St. Pete Clearwater Elite Invitational. That's a huge tournament. Um, that's where the majority of your highlight games are going to come from this week. Um, and that's where a majority of your storylines are going to come for next week. A majority of what I'm going to talk about next week is probably going to be the fallout from that tournament. Um, also looking forward to Mary Nutter next week, but we'll, we can talk about that next week. Um, another good weekend to watch as much college softball as you can. Watch as much St. Pete Clearwater Elite Invitational as you can. One of the best pre, uh, pre-conference um, pre-conference season uh, tournaments and atmospheres. It might be, honestly, the best atmosphere until the tournament, I mean, maybe SEC softball gets there. Maybe if you have like an Alabama versus a a, a Georgia or one of those matchups, but absolutely stay glued to this tournament. Um, make sure that you're keeping up with these games because it's going to be absolutely imperative that you educate yourself. Uh, learn more about the season, more learn more about the teams this weekend. Um, but St. Pete Clearwater, absolutely the main attraction this weekend. Make sure you can watch as many games of that as you can. Um, and I'll look forward to talking about that next week with you. Um, but our, anyway, that's this. That's all I got for you today. Um, we're going to sign off here for today. Um, 
go watch some softball this weekend and enjoy your week. And I'll see you, I'll talk to you again next Wednesday morning. Thank you and have a great week.